God bless everyone and welcome to another episode of Built Up in Christ, a discipleship building podcast. And we've been doing this since the beginning of the pandemic, about three years. And we're here doing another episode. And the title of this episode is Signs of a Healthy Church. And this is part of a episode that goes with a class that I'm teaching to a group at my home church, as well as team members who are assisting in church planting with me. And as I prepare to plant a church in New York City, in Co-op City, a city within a city of about 55,000 people, um, we have to be aware of how to do church properly as the Lord Jesus Christ has instructed us and as well um, showed us the evidence of. And one thing that have been occurring since before probably the pandemic, but it has been coming out more since the pandemic is the abuse in churches. And I'm not talking about abuse like we hear in the Roman Catholic Church, which of course does occur in other denominations of abuse of children and so on. But I'm talking about the abuse of fellow members um, using um, gaslighting techniques to be able to control your members. Um, using threats of what you know of their sinful lives in order to control them and have them be part of your leadership board, but in order to manipulate that board. So that's the kind of um, damage that I'm speaking of. And we have to understand that when we serve the Lord, um, there is no perfect church. Um, It's full of imperfect people. The church is a hospital that basically has a whole bunch of people that are currently ill and the process of being healed by the Lord. So the church is full of imperfect people who come together for a common goal, to love Jesus, to talk about him to those who don't know him. The church is the body of Christ and as such is charged to carry out his work in the world. Um, Before Jesus ascended back into heaven, he gave the disciples the great commission, which this podcast focus very much is upon which reads in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples, meaning reproduce, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age, meaning until Jesus comes back, which means he is coming back. A healthy local church will be actively fulfilling this great commission. And the Bible provides specific guidelines for what the signs of a healthy church are. We go and make disciples reproduce. How? By preaching the gospel. The disciples were to see others become learners, followers of the Savior from every nation. It's not enough to make simply make converts and lend them and let them fend for themselves. They must be taught how to obey the commandments of Christ as found in the New Testament. When we see great evangelists like Billy Graham, whenever he had an evangelistic event, one of the things he did do is find local churches who were close by. And if someone professed Jesus, he would connect them with those local churches. They weren't meant to just profess and then go on and fend to themselves. They were meant to be discipled. And if we look 
and try to understand what the gospel is, we could look at Ephesians. All of Ephesians chapters 1 through 3, but we're going to read Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, which reads as follows. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. That is the gospel explained simply. And then how do we apply that gospel? We go back to Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That is the gospel applied. And how does a healthy church look like? Well, we could see that in the book of Acts. We go to Acts chapter 6, verse 7, but we could see through the book of Acts 5 through 8. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. That can only occur if we understand the gospel and therefore apply the gospel. And therefore, we will multiply all over the world. Churches will multiply. And it's with a purpose. We're called to continue building people up and sending them out. So it's important to mention that a large church is not foolproof sign of a healthy church. Growing in numbers can be a sign that a church is healthy, but it's not an automatic guarantee of health. Spiritual growth and biblical soundness, not numbers, are how we should measure the healthiness of a church. So what are the key things to look for? After Jesus ascended to heaven, the disciples formed a church, explained in the book of Acts. An account of the early church in Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47 is perhaps the best example of what a healthy church should look like. So let's look at those verses. Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47. And I'm reading them in the NIV um, version translation. And it reads as follows. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what do we see in these verses? In the first verse, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They focused on the teachings of Jesus, which the apostles learned from. And the second is fellowship. They were fellowshipping together. They were helping build each other up. They were spending time together. They were building relationships. They were breaking bread. And this is speaking of not just Holy Communion in order to remember the sacrifice Jesus did for us, but they also spoke of spending time together, having dinner together, having a meal together. And they focused on prayer, meaning that they came in one accord, praying with the Lord. Um, and due to those actions, we see in verse 43, it says, Wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. And what resulted? All the believers were together and had everything in common. They were doing life together. And they sold property and possessions for what? To help those in need. And they continued to meet together. 
Not just in the temple courts, it says verse 46, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. It was something that was stressed, that caused stress. It was something out of joy you desired. When you have joy in the Lord in your heart, you desire to share and spend time with those who are of the same mindset of accord. And what did they do in verse 47? Praising God and enjoying favor of all the people. And that resulted in the Lord adding to their number daily and those being saved. So those are the signs of a healthy church, what it should look like according to book of Acts. Now, in order for that to occur, we have to have sound biblical doctrine. The Bible should be the center of all teaching and the doctrine should be sound. So what is the word doctrine? It's Christian belief based on scripture. Um, all sound doctrine will be confirmed through the Bible and is generally not based on just a single verse or passage. Rather, it's a message we see repeated throughout the scriptures. And what's the message? Jesus is Lord. He's our Savior. We needed restoration. And in order to be restored, we have to understand why we need restoration due to sin introduced to the earth, to the world, through the first Adam. And due to that is the reason the world is in the state it's in. We need a second Adam, which is Jesus Christ, Son of God, who came incarnate in the flesh in order to bring us to restoration to the Lord. He showed us how to live in this flesh we live in on this earth, even though it's fallen due to sin introducing this earth. And he gives us promises and he shows us that if we continue walking in faith and the lessons he gave us, that we are restored in him due to his sacrifice on the cross, paying for something that we could not pay for, the sins of the world, the sins that we have. And now we're rightfully restored in Jesus' name. So the messages we see repeated throughout scriptures, all of scriptures should be taught with its proper context, not just favorite portions. As Paul told Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And we find that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. So ungodliness prevails when doctrine is not sound. When we hear and apply sound doctrine, the result is godly living. So whenever we hear any preaching, any teaching, we should use two practical tests to apply to all teachings and preachings. Number one is the test of faith. Does it come from God, being in agreement with apostolic doctrine, or is a product, or is it a product of produced from human imagination? Test number two is the test of love. Does it promote unity in the body of Christ? Those are the two tests to test all practical teachings and preachings. And we're going to keep that in mind as I share two examples of preachers who were not preaching in the proper gospel context. They were not, they failed both the test of faith and the test of love. And I'm going to share the audio of one um, preacher as well as share his audio of his prepared message of repentance so let's um hear those clips here for a moment see that's how i know you still poor broke busted and disgusted because of how you've been honoring me 
I'm not worth your McDonald's money. Come on. Come on. I'm not worth your Red Lobster money. Come on. I ain't worth your St. John Nick. Y'all can't afford it no how. I ain't worth y'all Louis Vuitton. Come on. I ain't worth your Prada. Come on. I'm not worth your Gucci. Come on, man. You can buy a Movado watch in Sam's. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And y'all know I asked for one last year. Here it is the whole way in August. I still ain't got it. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Let me kick down the door and talk to my cheap sons and daughters. Come on. I don't want to hear no more excuses about what y'all can't afford. You can't afford it because you don't see the value here. Y'all hear from y'all pastor and father, I'm over y'all. I'm over your cheap expressions. So what do we see and what did we hear in this uh, audio clip that we just heard from a pastor in a church called um, Wells Church? And he's a senior pastor at this location. So just to give you perspective on what's occurring in that recording, um, it was basically clergy appreciation um, day, apparently. And he had apparently asked the congregation for a Movado watch the year prior. And as he was preaching the message, he was not happy he didn't get the watch that he requested from his congregation. And when you hear the message, and if you see the videos, because if you do a search on YouTube, you will find several video clips of that um, preaching. You see how upset he is, and you see how some of the members react, basically screaming, preach it, pastor, preach it. Those probably are members who are not sound in the doctrine of the Lord, as we um, gave a uh, discussion of a few minutes ago. And what we see here is that this sermon, which he was preaching and went into this effect of saying, I am over you. Um, you don't respect. Basically, he was pointing towards the pulpit and that we don't reward or his members don't reward the messengers who preach from the pulpit. Those were the effects he was um, describing. Does this fail the two practical tests that we mentioned a few minutes earlier? The test of faith. Does it come from God being in agreement with apostolic doctrine or is it a product of produced from human imagination? That sounds like it's produced from human imagination. Does it um, fail the test of love? Does it promote unity in the body of Christ? Yes, it does fail the test of love because he's not speaking in the love of Jesus. He's speaking for desires of physical things that will bring him happiness. And he's upset the congregation did not give it to him. So now we're going to listen to his prepared statement of repentance. And give me one minute. I want to take this moment to address the now viral video clip of me from a sermon given. Though there is context behind the content of the clip, no context will suffice to explain the hurt and anguish caused by my words. I've spoken to those I am accountable to and have received their correction and instruction. The video clip does not reflect my heart or my sentiments toward God's people, yet that's not discernible in the clip. Therefore, I offer this sincere apology to you today. No context could erase the words I used. I apologize to all who have been hurt 
angered or in any way damaged by my words. I apologize to every preacher and pastor who must stand up under the controversy that I have caused. So seeing um, his prepared statement that was read again, you can find the videos of those prepared statements on YouTube if you just um, search and just search under Pastor and Movado Watch and it'll come up. Um, and what we see here is it seems like only by faith we can take a genuine um, repentance in the statement that he's written. It seems like his words are weighted. He's being very careful, which he should have been doing when preaching the word and focus on just the gospel, the word. And he understands the damage he's done. Because see, as preachers and teachers, we have to be careful with the testimony of Jesus. We are the living testimony of Jesus. It's not just our testimony. We have to humble ourselves and be mindful that we don't cause damage. Um, one of the reasons I started the class on healthy church and the whole class title is healthy church, healthy leaders, because it starts with healthy leaders, is that we have to be always conscientious and aware to stay humble in the Lord and that we are the representatives, the ambassadors of the Lord. So therefore, we have to be careful in every movement we make, actions, speech and everything. So when we preach and teach, we have to be mindful. We have to be um, quick to listen, slow to anger. And he didn't take that into account when he preached that message that he preached. And he did not speak humbly. We are honored. Ministers of the Lord are honored to be able to bring the word of God and be used as instruments for his glory. Once it becomes about us, it's not a humble experience, and it's not about the gospel, the message of Jesus. So we have to always keep that in mind. Whenever we stand at the altar, whenever we minister to people, whether it be on a public train or in the streets or friendships that developed, we have to always be aware and remind people we're not perfect people. We're striving for perfection in Jesus. And we're in the process of perfect being, perf um, being perfected in the Lord. So we have to be aware of that and be humble about it. And by faith, we, we take this message of repentance that he um, read. And we understand from the background that we've um, I've pieced together and other um, ministers have pieced together from these videos. And what occurred is that his leadership pulled them to the side after the fact Um when you incorporate as a church, you have your elders and your deacons, but you also have at times advisory boards, ministers you bring to advise you as you continue growing in the Lord and ministering to advise you on steps you take. And from it seems like they approached him and corrected him and he accepted the correction. And that's when he prepared that statement and released that statement. So by faith, he was restored. He asked forgiveness. He asked forgiveness of the Lord. Um, now I'm going to give you another audio example of someone else who proceeded to um, preach a message. And um, you can also search on YouTube for the full message um, from this person. His name is Pastor um, Michael Todd. He also has a big church, a mega church in the United States. And that's why we have to be careful with mega churches. Just because they're big doesn't mean they're healthy. And the message he was preaching was on 
how Jesus healed the blind man when he um, spread his saliva in the dirt and spread the dirt on the um, person's eyes and they were healed. And he proceeded to illustrate this by actually spitting his hands. And I won't share the audio clip because it's kind of disgusting in the, the way he did it. And when you see the video, you're going to be disgusted the way he did it. Um, but I will share his message of repentance and let you listen to that. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I hope you're having an amazing Monday. I just want to acknowledge uh, what happened yesterday when the spit hit the fan. I watched it back and um, it was disgusting. <laughs> like that was gross. I want to validate everybody's feelings. Um, that that was a distraction to what I was really trying to do. I was really trying to make the word come alive and for people to see the story. But yesterday it got too live and I own that. And um, I just want to make sure people know that we want to help people. We want people to see Jesus. We want people to feel loved. We want people who are desperate to be able to find hope. And I'm passionate about that so much so that I try to do extreme things to help people get it. And yesterday it crossed the line. So um, I love you guys. I appreciate everybody that's been praying for us and sending us messages. And to anybody who just saw that three minute clip, I really encourage you to go back and watch the whole message. There's some truth and some life in there that could potentially change your whole life. Um, when Jesus uh, spit on that man, he was blind and then he could see. Um, for my brother who I love and uh, honor so much, I just called him. He was bald before I spit on him and he's still bald today. So no miracle here. And uh, so next time I'll rethink and do something differently. I love everybody. I'm praying for everybody. And uh, Transformation Nation, thank you for riding. We're going to represent God to the lost and found for transformation in Christ. All right, everybody have an amazing week. Peace. And what we see from that message of repentance from Pastor Michael Todd is that he seems to take it kind of lighthearted, the whole reaction that people reacted. Um, one of his first words that came out is, um, I validate, validate your feelings, like I accept your feelings about the matter. And the other thing that he made in that prepared um, statement is that he stated that he was trying to bring the Bible to life. Um, the Bible's already alive. We don't need to bring it alive. For any preachers who are bringing the word, the message, the message is already alive. The word is living. Um, we can illuminate. We cannot bring any new revelation because the revelation is Jesus and his death on the cross and his resurrection. But we can illuminate. And he was trying to bring that story, as he says, alive. Um, the word is already alive. We don't need to do anything to it. We didn't need to add to it. And you notice how he made a statement also how um, sometimes he says, I, I try to um, go a little overboard or, um, in bringing the message to life or um, the strange ways he, he brings the message. Um, we have to be very careful with that. We have to um, remember the two tests of the gospel. Um, that we should be applying to our teaching, the test of faith. Does it come from God in agreement with apostolic doctrine or is it a product from human imagination? See, he started adding human imagination to it. And the test of love, does it promote unity in the body of Christ? See, 
it did not promote a test of unity. The te it did not pass the test of love. Because first of all, for once you see the video, you come to an understanding that before anyone knew it, when he called this person up at the altar and he applied his spit saliva on this person, it was during the pandemic, first of all. Second, no one knew this was his actual brother, biological brother, not just your brother in Christ. So it, it was a, a way of he took advantage of his brother. Uh, we're not fully aware if his brother knew what he was coming up for. And it might have been in the heat of the moment that he did that because he felt the need to illustrate um, what the word was um, telling us. And it might not have been in the context. See, um, the way he was preaching it was not the context of what was in the gospel of the healing. And he's aware of it because he says, well, my brother's still bald, so he didn't grow any hair, so he didn't get healed from my spit on him. Um, and I'm paraphrasing what he said in his statement. Um, so we see here is he's well aware of the errors of his ways, but his repentance didn't seem too genuine. Um, we accept it by faith. Um, who are we to judge? Only the Lord can judge. But it didn't seem to come from a genuine place. So this is why we have to apply the two practical tests to apply to all teaching. The test of faith, does it come from God? Is it in agreement with apostolic doctrine? And the test of love, does it promote unity in the body of Christ? See, godly leadership for a healthy church requires that a godly leader exemplify a life of obedience to Christ and a heart of service for others. The mindset that came to me from the Lord when I created this class and why I'm doing this episode of the podcast is that we as leaders should do no harm. There's already harm in the world and there's already people who've been church hurt as some of you may have heard in my prior podcast about healing and church hurt. Um, our lives should be marked by faithfulness and righteous living. Um, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And while no pastor is perfect, they should be evident that they're working to become more like Jesus every day. Godly leaders will be good stewards of the resources, talents, and ministry that God has entrusted to them. As Jesus spent time with the disciples, training them in the ways of the Lord, godly leaders need to train and cultivate that in themselves and in others into spiritual leadership as well. If we look at um, Titus chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, it says, An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain, Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message that it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. I don't know if you guys, you know, I hope you guys are following me with your Bibles. So I'm going to read this again in the easy read version. I'm going to help. Hopefully this is sim simpler for you guys to understand. Titus chapter 1 verses 6 through 9. To be an elder, a man must not be guilty of living in a wrong way. He must be faithful to his wife and his children, 
must be faithful to God. They must not be known as children who are wild or don't obey. An elder has the job of taking care of God's work, so people should not be able to say that he lives in a wrong way. He must not be someone who is proud and selfish or who gets angry quickly. He must not drink too much, and he must not be someone who likes to fight. He must not be a man who will do almost anything for money. An elder must be ready to help people by welcoming them dumb into his home. He must love what is good. He must be wise. He must live right. He must be devoted to God and pleasing to him. And he must be able to control himself. An elder must be faithful to the same true message we teach. Then he will be able to encourage others with teaching that is true and right. He will be able to show those who are against this teaching they are wrong. So we see here that we have the ways we should be selecting our leaders and the people that are leading our congregation, the examples they be, should be living, the qualities. See, discipleship and spiritual fruit. When a church has sound doctrine and godly leadership, discipleship and spiritual fruit will be evident within the congregation. Faithful leaders produce faithful followers who love the Lord and seek to live according to his word. Believers who are being discipled will build solid relationship with others. See, we have to understand, we have to first have a vertical relationship with Jesus in order to have a horizontal relationship with those around us. We must be involved in church, using our gifts to serve others. And therefore, we will be bearing fruit as we grow in our own sanctification. See, a healthy church produces new leaders. Jesus spent a lot of his time with the 12 disciples. He spent extra time with three particular people, Peter, James, and John, whom he trained closely to carry on his legacy. Churches that don't pour into others make them leaders that miss the mark. See, ministries soon become about the leader rather than the fulfilling the purpose of why they exist, to make disciples, to train others, to send them out. Good leaders identify and train others with potential to eventually take off the, over the ministry. Good leaders understand we own nothing. Everything belongs to the Lord. Everything is temporary. I may be a pastor of a church and it may be temporary until the next person comes along. If I'm training and teaching properly, I will have set up if something happens to me. If I go with the Lord, the next person who I trained up can stand up and lead the church. Although not stated specifically, imagine the disciples took turns teaching and leading those in fellowship. A proper church doesn't hear just from their pastor. They hear from the leaders they're training up. As the early church grew, we see original leaders identified more leaders in the congregation to better serve the growing body. No one person assumed every responsibility. And because Jesus had worked with them so often and closely, they all got a first-hand glimpse of what it meant to go out into the world, meeting the needs of those around them. See, a healthy church helps members crave meat, not milk. If we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1-3, through 3, it says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not ready for you are still of the flesh. And Hebrews 5.12 says, You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. 
Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat food. At a certain point, we have to start from crawling to walking. The responsibility to grow church members rests not just both in leadership, but in the members themselves. So often we come away from events and sermons giving no specific application to the audience, using cliche verses that either are taken out of context or don't reveal any new truth to the mature believer. Teaching is not the only way we grow, but it is vital for regular attenders. As for members' responsibilities to grow, when Paul mentions that people of his church were still drinking spiritual milk, I don't doubt he urged his church to chew on what he was saying and apply it to their lives. Rather than relying on him for a constant feeding, he's telling his church members, be responsible for your own growth as well. We must learn to apply the word, not just hear it. Anyone who hears teaching, preachings, should be taking notes and verifying. It's like a military term, trust but verify. I trust this person serves the Lord, but I'm going to verify with the word of God. Trust but verify. See, we should be outreaching. A healthy church will be recognized by its outreach. It will be evangelistic, spreading the gospel. It will be compassionate, generous with its resources for the sake of others. Evangelism occurs within a wide spectrum of experience ranging from our day-to-day lives and interactions with others to local community efforts to world missions. We have this incredible gift of forgiveness and salvation. And because of this, as the church, we're called to be the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved, among those who are perishing, to one, a fragrance from death to death, to the other, a fragrance from life to life. And that's 2 Corinthians 2, 15-16. The good news of salvation through Jesus Christ is not something to hoard and keep to ourselves. It should be shared near and far. See, we're the center of the church, and the church should be radiating from us. Each of us are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It should be irradiating from us to our neighbors, to our buildings, to our homes, to our family members. Um, We should be fulfilling the Great Commission, as Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20 we read earlier. The good news brings forgiveness, salvation, light to darkness, and peace to chaos. A healthy church can be recognized by its passion to get the word out to those in need. A healthy church devotes itself to prayer. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And Acts chapter 12, verse 5 says, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The saying is that the family that prays together stays together. It's true. The same goes for a congregation. Not every church has a regular prayer meeting to pray together, but God knows those that go into prayer closets to pray Those that seek the Lord for his will instead of their own to create a recipe for a healthy congregation. A healthy church has members who resolve interpersonal conflict in a healthy way. If we look at Matthew chapter 18 verses 15 through 17, it says, If your brothers or sisters sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you, if they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. 
for they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. If a church member is mad at someone else in the congregation, they should go speak to the person directly instead of spreading gossip and telling other people in the congregation or other people who may not even serve the Lord about issues they have with this person in the church. Because all they're doing is turning people who don't serve the Lord, turning them off to church. We should not be spreading gossip. See, scripture teaches us to resolve into personal conflict. Healthy members go to the offender first to show care and consideration for the other. If the two cannot reconcile, enlist the help of someone you know to go with you to confront the person. And if that still doesn't work, then you go to your pastor or another leader in the church. But that is not the first step. The first step is to go to the member first and let them know. They might not know they have offended you. You need to sit down with them. Remember, church is relational. We need to continue building that relationship. And understanding that a a church is full of people who are in need of help from the Lord and that none of us are perfect. We come to understand that sometimes a person may not know they offended and they may need to be made aware. See, we have to do our best to resolve it, resolve situations. But if you can't, leave vengeance in God's hands, not yours. A healthy church is made up of people who appreciate the past but look forward to the future. The world is a difficult place with so much sin and uncertainty. It can feel overwhelming at times. And it's tempting to imagine a time that was simpler in the past, a time when ministry worked better, the world in general seemed like an easier place to live. But healthy churches don't relish in the past. Rather, we need to continue moving forward with confidence that God's in control of the world. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Healthy churches do this whenever they can to try to advance the gospel instead of allowing the enemy to trick them into staying stuck in the past. A healthy church bears one another's burdens. Galatians 6.2 says, Carry each other's burdens and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. One of the big characteristics of a healthy church is one that genuinely cares and connects with its members. They don't view each other as burdens, but rather go out of their way to bear one another's burdens. When people feel like others genuinely care about them, they are part of a healthy congregation. See, we know that depression, we can find depressive people in church. Many um, people respond to others when there's concern in the church. We can't be dismissive. We have to uh, express ourselves honestly. We have to reveal when we have a mental illness and let others know that church members do not do care. See, people offered such things as trust the Lord and your depression will go away. No, those are not ways to approach someone who's honest and relational and letting you know that they have a mental illness. We have to show genuine empathy, care. It's not just praying with them, but help them find the resources they need to get the care they need while still trusting in the Lord that he still performs miracles. See, a healthy church also welcomes strangers. Um, if we look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, it says the Lord added to their number daily. Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew 25, 35, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. 
I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. When we welcome in the hurting, the people who are poor, without expecting anything in return, it's like we're doing it for the Lord. Because we are. In any church that welcomes, Jesus is a healthy one. Church can get messy. However, for churches that are willing to lay aside their own agendas and be the examples like the church in Acts, the Lord will add to their number, making them being part of a church of joy. A healthy church has members who serve with joy. If we look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And Romans 7, 6 says, But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the way of the Spirit, not in the old way of the written code. Ministries take work. And in some cases, a ministry may take hours of volunteer service and time. Yet healthy church members serve with joy, knowing they're investing in the gospel being preached to all who benefit from the ministry, ourselves included. See, helpers will help churches grow. Service is not a chore, but a privilege. Healthy people know that and embrace that in their reality. So looking back, if we look at those two examples that we heard, do they pass the test of a healthy church? Do they show the evidence of a healthy church? It always goes back to what we started with. What are the signs of a healthy church? Well, a healthy church displays two positive examples of two practical tests. The test of faith. Does it come from God? Being in agreement with the word of God. Or is it a product of human imagination? And the test of love. Does it promote unity in the body of Christ? So these examples are not that were given were not for us to be judgmental of these ministers. It's to learn from because we can learn from people's mistakes. And hopefully we won't repeat those mistakes. And we remain humble as we continue ministering the word of God, teaching the word of God. And remember, we all are called to minister, which in the Greek word is to serve in the body of Christ. So I hope this um, message helps you grow, continue to build you up in Christ for his glory. Um, We thank you for partaking and listening to these episodes. And if you're being blessed and you enjoyed these episodes, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or any um, podcast service you listen to. Also, be um, sure to check out our podcast um, Facebook page, which is Build Up in Christ. You can search for it, Google it. And we also have an Instagram, Build Up in Christ as well. And if you want to donate for the church plant or this church ministry, the podcast ministry, you will see two links on our Facebook page to um, donate to those um, things that we're doing for the Lord and his glory, Lord. So we'll keep you updated on the church plant. Um, Hopefully we shall be planted by the end of July long term and we will keep you updated. So thank you for listening to this podcast. Hopefully it has blessed you and please share with others. 
God bless and God keep you.